I had all these notes that I was trying to organize into one study on consistent character. And uh, so far, I have not referred to those notes one time. <laughs> so I'm starting everything over fresh. And then this morning, I came to it, and I said, I'm going to use some notes that I have. And then I started over fresh this morning. So um, there's some things in here that uh, are going to be a slight repetition of what we've done previously. Uh, because I think it's important to recap those. But I want to start out this morning by just telling you uh, how I came to this passage of Scripture um, in the first place. And I I don't, um, I can't explain exactly why it came to mind, except that in July, um, after a really long illness, uh, my dad died. First of July of last year. And I started to make plans to, to go back to Spokane, Washington, where my parents lived. And um, at times like those, um, God seems to bring scriptures to your mind. And I, I, um, I had heard people say that before. I'm not, I don't remember experiencing that. But this time... Um, the first passage that came to my mind, especially when I talked to my mom on the phone, is I thought of that passage that talks about believers not mourning as those who have no hope. And I thought, well, that's exactly right. Um, our family knew that my dad had gone to be with the Lord. He had, he had known that he was going home for quite a while. Um, in fact, they told him for four Christmases in a row that he wasn't going to make it through Christmas. <laughs> and he did. But he knew he was going home and he was ready. He was absolutely ready. And, and so we, we had a, a great sense of peace about all that. There was not a, a, a great deal of, of um, sorrow in the way that you might think. And um, another verse that came to my mind, and again, I can't really explain why, but is this passage this morning, and I won't read it to you now, but is this passage this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? And so at his memorial service, I was able to speak there, and I brought this passage of Scripture. So turn to 2 Corinthians this morning. We're going to start in chapter 3, and then I'm just going to tell you why this perhaps came to mind on the discussion of character. I think that I could say without any fear of contradiction from anyone that I talked to about my dad, um, and there was many, many people at his memorial service about him after he died, I think I could say without any contradiction, he was a man of great, consistent Christian character. Uh, I don't think anybody would contradict that. Uh, he, he showed something immediate that my first memories I have of my dad are something that, that were a reflection of his character. One of the first things I remember realizing was that my dad never took any shortcuts in regards to work, 
So if there was a job to be done, he would do it thoroughly. He would do it with quality. He would do it to the absolute best of his ability. And I, I knew because I wa- if I was with him at that time, I would always want to take whatever shortcut, right? Okay, well, that's good enough, Dad. Now we can quit. And he would never allow that. I, knew, I, I got to the point where I knew he would never allow us to quit early, to take a shortcut, to somehow not finish the work in the way that was the right way. And he sort of lived that way in his life, too. I remember in his very last days, him saying to me on the phone, I'd say, well, Dad, you're in the hospital again. Um, How are you feeling? How's it going? And he would say this to me. Well, um, the nurse is not a believer, and her family is, you know, Lutheran or... And he would begin to tell me the story of whatever nurse or whatever doctor or whatever person, maybe other patient that he met while he was in the hospital that he was somehow ministering to. And he was in the hospital in a, in a, uh, in a situation where they were telling him sometimes, you're not going to make it. And I was asking about him and he was saying to me, well, there's someone here in the hospital who I want to minister to and who I want to witness to. And it struck me that there was something similar to my first memories of not being able to take a shortcut in work is that that took him up to the very end where he said, nope, to the very end, whether, whether they're right and these will be my last hours on earth or not, I'm going to do it right all the way up to the very last moment. There's no shortcuts. Excellence all the way through. Ministering to people all the way through. And, uh, and my mom would say, uh, my dad is in, your dad is in really bad shape. But he's talking to me about how he wanted to go somewhere in the hospital or do something to minister to someone. And she's worried about saying, you know, he doesn't need to do that. He, he's, in, he's in bad shape. He doesn't need to do that. But it reminded me of him not taking shortcuts, right? Never, Dad, I, I want to get out the easy way. Nobody, look, Dad, if you wrap that thing one more time, you know, I can see him just working on something, you know, and if you wrap that thing one more time, nobody's going to know the difference, right? Nobody's going to think bad of you if you just quit now, leave it as is, and go. No, but it'll last longer if we do it this way. No, but we have to do it right. Dad, we're done. You know, we're done. I just want to be done with this. No. And so then I remember those days saying, I want to minister to people right to the very last day. There's not going to be any shortcuts. Nobody would blame me if I didn't witness to the nurse. Nobody would blame me. I'm in my very last days. Nobody would even know. Nobody would even find out. It would be of no consequence to anybody. They would say, he was in there dying. He's not ministering. No, all the way to the end. All the way to the end. 
And so I thought about this passage. In our discussion of consistent Christian character, we've determined that there is a difference between true faith and dead religion. We've made a distinction between obedience for the purpose of obtaining salvation and obedience as a result of salvation by faith. Made a distinction between those two things. I think the first two lessons serve to do that. We've determined that salvation is, of course, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his mercy. But we've also seen from Scripture that God has created us to do good works. And a lot of times in a discussion of character, that's really what we're talking about. Doing something for God. Indeed, to develop, this is what it is other than than works for salvation, we're to develop through growth in our relationship with Christ character traits that please him. Then in our most recent meeting, our second lesson on consistent character, we emphasized salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And with the understanding that this is the only starting place for any individual's consideration of Christian character. And therefore, we can move on today, stepping back to gain some perspective. Here's what I mean. We understand that none of the behaviors that go on from this place in our lives, a place of true faith, we understand that none of that is to earn salvation. We're understanding that the, the good works we do are a result of salvation, so we can go on. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but now have been made alive in Christ. So our desire is to serve him with great integrity and effectiveness and to build our character in the process. And so how should we approach this? And the thought was this morning, if we could step back and gain a perspective for how to build character, that would be a good starting point. I think this passage does that. Paul the Apostle was a minister to the Corinthian church, and he begins the portion of 2 Corinthians that we're going to talk about today, confirming the validity of his ministry by their salvation. We talked about consistent Christian character, of course, has to start with true faith in Christ. And here's what he says Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 2, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit 
giveth life. The ministry he, Paul, had among the Corinthians was evident by who they were in Christ and how they had been changed. The result of Christ's work in them, not Paul's work, but God's work, was the evidence of this ministry that he had, this ministry of the New Testament. Because there was many teaching falsely at that time and presenting false credentials for their ministries. But Paul's credentials were not in some written piece of paper that he could bring and say, I've been approved by someone. I've got a recommendation letter. His credentials were in the changed lives of the people that were a result of God working through them. So this is the context that's going to take us to chapter 4 and verse 1. And this is our text this morning. Therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. That to faint not means not to lose heart. Despite the challenges they faced, despite the problems, and there were many, by the way, in the Corinthian church, they would press forward having received mercy, both at salvation and for the ministry they were performing there as well. So they had received mercy, and therefore they're having this ministry among the Corinthians. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. To renounce means to forbid for one's self. So Paul had forbidden for himself, ministering in any deceitful way, or even obscuring the message of the gospel in any way. So he said, if there's any way in which I'm obscuring the gospel, I forbid for myself to do that. Now, I want to step back for a minute because I've, I've already launched into all this uh, talk about Paul having a ministry among some people and that the people that he's ministered to being changed, coming to faith in Christ. And I want to say this. Uh, we're, we're having a discussion of character, not simply so we can be better people and say, oh, now I'm a better person. Great. Pat myself on the back. I have developed some character for myself. The character is a result of our relationship with God, but it's useful. <laughs> it's profitable. In fact, I can think of some passages that we talked about in our last two sessions together where it basically said that, that uh, we, we're doing these good works and the reason we're doing them is for some profit. And they're for some profit in, in the world, but particularly 
among the people that we're ministering to. And so what I'm trying to do this morning, since Paul is talking about the ministry that he had among these Corinthians, and I'm trying to get us back to see some perspective of our Christian character and why we ought to be developing Christian character, I want to let you know that this development of Christian character is for God's purpose for you in your life. Meaning we're a part, just as, a, just as one little piece of it, not only are we to glorify God with our lives, reflect his attributes in the world with our lives, but we have parts as members and as a body of this local church to do for his service. Did you know that? God's given us specific gifts and talents and attributes and experiences for ministry in this local church. And so this development of character is for the purpose many times for no reason, in no wise, I should say, for our own selves, but so often for useful purposes in the world, particularly to reflect Jesus Christ. And so as Paul was starting in chapter three, he's giving the indication that I've had this ministry among you, but it was not of me. It was of God and it was God's and it was through the Lord Jesus Christ, God's working in your life. And whatever part I had in it, whatever part my character, my work because of my character played in that, it was a result of God doing it in me. Okay? So, seeing we have this ministry, we've received mercy. We will not lose heart. We've renounced any sort of ministry among you or anyone else that would somehow obscure the gospel or hide it. We've renounced that for ourselves. We won't do that. And this is in the context in which there are others who are dealing with the word of God deceitfully, by the way. And then he says this, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So if anything were to be added or taken away that would somehow obscure the gospel or to change it, it would be an aid to the enemy as the gospel would be hidden from the lost. Be an aid to the enemy. I might even say it this way. If our character, the very nature of it, were to be compromised in a way as to obscure the gospel. It would be 
advantageous to the enemy, would it not? He, our enemy, the enemy of our souls, is working to to blind those who don't believe in a way to shield their eyes from the light of the gospel that would deliver them and that would translate them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. To release them from the chains of sin that are binding them now and and bring them out into life, a life of freedom for Christ. And so it is in the context of this ministry for the Lord that we begin to see the perspective that ought to be the foundation of our pursuit of Christian character. Did you see it even in the the way it was described? The light of the glorious gospel, and we've talked about already here, reflecting the light, developing character that would allow you to reflect that light and reflect it properly. But here's the background info. We have to realize, as Paul realized, and then as he made aware the Corinthians, that it's not about him. And so when we observe and make note of character in our own lives or in the life of another believer, we must see Christ's work, his glory reflected. Because in verse 5, Paul says this, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is a preaching, a proclamation of God's word that is not about oneself or by the power of oneself. It's a preaching that comes from a person who has taken up a proper position. Did you notice the position? The position of a servant. He's taken up the proper position, both in heart and in attitude and in action, taken up the proper position of a servant. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And he says in this case, in this case, even though the enemy has worked to blind the minds of those who don't believe, in this case, the light has successfully shined through unto them, unto those who would be his ministers, his servants. And so the enemy's plan in their lives, at least, has been thwarted. The true light of the gospel has reached them. And so therefore, like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, like a city that is set on a hill, they're going to shine 
And you can't hide a city that's been set on a hill. In fact, even if you were to uh, put a candle, light a candle, you wouldn't do so for the purpose of putting a bushel basket over it. As a matter of fact, what you would do is you would raise it up on a candlestick so that it would shine even the more. You know what we did in our house not too long ago? We used to have a lamp, a small lamp. It was down on a, uh, a, an end table, and it was about this high. You know, it wasn't, wasn't very high off the ground. And um, I said, you know what we ought to do? If we want to just turn this in when we come in, we can see what we're doing in here, is we'll, we'll put it up here, up higher on this, on this table. And do you know what we said afterwards? We can see a lot better now. It's right here up at, up at eye level. Folks, the light of the glorious gospel had shined unto Paul. In chapter 3, he said, we came unto you and our light shined unto you. And we can see that the light broke through in your life. And now the purpose that we have for ourselves and the purpose that we have for you is that your light would be up on a candlestick, would be like a city set on a hill and would shine even the more and even brighter to others so that they could see that there's light in this darkness, in this dark world. That's a discussion of character, folks. If you began to describe, if you said, if you said this person took this action in my life, and as a result, I either understood a truth that I didn't understand before, or I came to the realization of something that I never realized before, or I was prompted to take an action that I'd never taken before, all for God, you would be describing an action of a person, most likely, it's not always the case, but most likely of a person who had seen some light, had shined it unto you, and now you're going forward reflecting that light somewhere else. Isn't that what happens? This is what happens in a church like this. We come on a a Sunday morning or on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night or we go to our Bible studies throughout the week. We, um, We get together in different gatherings that we have and we're, uh, Lord willing, we're equipped for the ministry. And then what we do is we say, okay, I've been better equipped this week. Now I can go out into my week And I can minister better during my week. And what we hope to have happen is for the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to be reflected through us to the point that someone that we're around, even though the the God of this world is trying to blind their minds, if we can be used to reflect that light to them and they can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to invite them right back to this place. 
There's going to be some steps we're going to want them to take. We're going to want to see them take. We're going to want to see them take the first, very first steps of obedience. Maybe we'll, the next thing we'll see is that person, after they've come to know him, uh, go up and be baptized. Say, I want to represent with my life. I want to show with this baptism that I've been buried with Christ and I've been risen unto new life. And they'll want to demonstrate that. And then they'll want to come back on the same Sunday mornings and the same Sunday nights and the same Wednesday nights with you and be equipped to go out and do the same thing. And you will together, the great thing about a church, a local church and how God has designed it is that we'll be accountable one to another. We've been doing things over the past several weeks that uh, remind us of this, things like discipleship, um, seminar that's, that, that give us, that show us this continual ministry that needs to happen. And we're doing through, so through a developed character. So the light has successfully shined unto Paul. The enemy's plan is thwarted in his life. The true light is, has shined unto them and they want to shine that true light in their lives. Paul reminded us of this idea back in the first chapter of Galatians. I just want to read you a couple of verses from the first chapter of Galatians that say this. But I certify you, brethren, this is about Paul's preaching in the Galatian church, to the Galatian church, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This this character development, even this preaching and ministry that we've seen this morning, is a way of connection between God and man. Paul says, look, I'm giving you a message. But it's not of me. By revelation of Jesus Christ, and I want to bring it unto you. How can a gospel that is not of man, be spread by the power of any man. For it's not of him. The light came from beyond man. And therefore, it can only be reflected by man. I used a couple weeks ago the illustration of a, a little radio and how that the power that is somewhere else on the earth here on Guam, we have a powerful uh, uh, tr- uh, Transworld Radio, a, a, a powerful shortwave radio station. And they're relying on the other end to transmit what comes from that powerful millions of watts radio station. They're relying on a little plastic thing on the other end. And the signal has to come through that. Somebody has to have that little plastic thing that if you dropped it on the floor, 
all the pieces would break off, especially some that you buy in Asia that I've seen. Pretty weak. Pretty weak. But the signal comes from beyond. It comes from beyond. Great power coming from beyond, and it comes and is transmitted by that one little unit. So verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is where I wanted to go all along this morning. We needed all the context. Here's what we see. Here's our perspective. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's as though we're the containers of the treasure. We're classified as earthen vessels. We're weak. We're totally vulnerable. Have you noticed that? We're totally vulnerable. Our life is fleeting. We're prone to sin. We're still dwelling in bodies of flesh, though we've been quickened, made alive through Christ. We're still dwelling in these bodies of flesh. We're still dwelling among a people on the earth that are in sin and in a world that's corrupt. And so the excellency, it must be of him and not of us. This is the perspective for character development. Um, I'll take it back to my, my dad's story just for a minute. When I talked about uh, my dad's life, um, and I heard testimony of others talking about my dad's life, they, they all said very similar things. Um, someone, my dad was a, my dad and mom were foster parents for 44 years, and some people from the foster parenting part of his life stood up and they said some things. They said some things that were very similar to what I would then say later. And some people from his work life, before he retired, his work life to, got up and they, they testified of some things that I also testified of later. And they talked about his, his family, 10 children, all those hundreds of foster babies over 44 years. They talked about the love for those foster children. They talked about his love for my mom, married 63 years when he died. They talked about his, just like I mentioned to you, his excellence in his work. They talked about his, um, his attitude, his integrity. And what keep, came, keep coming to my mind, because I knew my dad well, is the fact that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And you know what we were there for? We were there for a memorial service. And his fleshly body just went back into the earth. But some things were left over. Some things were left over. Some things that came out of his character that impacted eternity 
It was just a, a vessel, just an earthen vessel, very weak. When he got to the end, especially very weak. Still ministering. His character still showing something that could remain. The word excellency brought back to mind our definition of character. Character is defined as strength of moral fiber. A.W. Tozer described character as the excellence of moral beings. As the excellence of gold is its purity, the excellence of art is its beauty, so the excellence of man is his character. Persons of character are noted for their honesty, their ethics, their charity. Descriptions of a man of principle or a woman are of integrity or assertions of character. A lack of character is moral deficiency. Persons lacking character tend to behave in a certain way, dishonestly, unethically, uncharitably. A person's character is the sum of his or her dispositions, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. It's good to remember that character is gauged, is gauged by general tendencies, not on the basis of a few isolated incidents or actions. We must look at the whole life. When you uh, have the opportunity to step back and look at a whole life, I want to tell you this. Character counts. It counts. You can accomplish things without character. You can get things done without character. You can do work without character. But when your earthen vessel goes back to the earth, what will be left over? Will there be anything left over? Chances are that which is left over will come out of your character. And the excellency will not be of you or of man, but it'll be the excellency of God. And you know what happened on that memorial service day? We praised God. Why did we do that? Because of the reflection that we saw of God in a man, in a woman, in any person at any age who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the ability to reflect who he is. We want to get more into um, some of the behaviors of character. But no matter what we talk about, step back for a moment. Remember who you are. We must remember who we are. Remember who God is. Always step back. Let's pray. Father, this morning we... Uh, it was evident, uh, even in the, uh, the teaching this morning, that we're, uh, we offer very little on our own. We're earthen vessels. But yet your word uh, tells us things that we can implement, that we can be a part of, that we can um, 
pass along that are of great eternal value. As we go out of here today, we have more time together to be equipped. We have more time together to have fellowship, to praise you, to honor you. Um, And as we do that, help us to be mindful that we have uh, opportunities, the ability to sharpen our character, the ability to allow you to shape our character so that we can be a proper reflection of you. Help us to do that this morning. Uh, Take advantage of all these opportunities to do that and then uh, have things to show for our lives and not things that we have done, things that you've done through us and that we can see as you've done work in others through that work. In Jesus' name, amen.